Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's podcast, where we seek to help people find and follow Jesus. Please take a minute to subscribe. Now here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. Good morning and Merry Christmas. It is my joy and honor to be here to kick off our Christmas season, Christmas in Winchester. And I believe it's going to be the best Christmas season yet. We have some exciting things planned here at Victory, so you do not want to miss out on any Sunday services or on our Christmas service, which is December the 22nd. And today is a vintage Christmas Sunday. I've enjoyed seeing all y'all's sweaters. This contest, I think, was a little hard because of so many amazing Christmas sweaters. And don't forget to grab a donut or a cup of coffee as you leave service today. We will have that set out for you guys. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38, and you can follow along on the screens or on the Victory Church app. But let's read starting in Mark chapter, thir- chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. And I'll be reading from the CSB version. Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day that you have given us. May my words be your words. I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to hear what you would have us change in our lives. Amen. Amen. So this is Jesus speaking to the crowd and his disciples. And in order to truly enjoy the Christmas season and what it means for us as followers of Jesus, we need to understand and appreciate what grown-up Jesus did and how he lived. I love Christmas. I love the cookies and the gifts and the intentional family time and the traditions. I love Christmas books and Christmas movies. Elf being the greatest Christmas movie of all time. You can argue with me later, but you're not going to change my mind. Christmas is a fun time. But I have been noticing, I've been getting a little more cynical around the holidays. It starts out subtle. Maybe a snarky thought or a grudging agreement to do something Christmassy that I don't really want to, and then I will internally, maybe externally, complain about it. Then it's the frustration with bad traffic and dealing with people. I don't know why, but people are the, just the worst around the Christmas time. I get a little pessimistic and cynical now around this season, and that's sad. It's in those moments that I forget why we celebrate Christmas. I have forgotten Jesus in this season. I focus on myself and my wants and desires rather than the good and the gospel. As I was praying on what to share this morning, the phrase, what would Jesus do, came to mind. And I began to think, what would the Christmas season look like 
for me if I asked this question. My message today is titled, What Would Jesus Do? And this phrase, while it became very popular in the 90s and early 2000s, and some of you might consider that vintage, bless you, it's even older than that. It is believed to have been first mentioned in the book, Imitation of Christ, from the 1400s by Thomas A. Kempis. In 1881, Charles Spurgeon used the phrase, what would Jesus do, in one of his sermons. And this phrase became even more popular because of Charles Sheldon's book, In His Steps. The Reverend Sheldon wrote his best-selling novel in 1896, which is about a pastor who challenges his congregation to ask the question, what would Jesus do before they did anything big or small? And over the next year, their lives are changed. The story shows those who embrace this lifestyle and what they walk through because of it. It also talks about others who decide it's too much of a sacrifice, too much of an ask, and they walk away. It's a powerful story that inspires and makes one ask the question, how my life would be different if I asked, what would Jesus do? Now, fast forward 100 years to the 1990s, and a youth leader from Michigan who was inspired by Sheldon's novel and wanted an effective way to teach this to her youth group ended up making the acronym WWJD popular. And we still see that acronym WWJD today. Today, I want to briefly talk about this idea of asking what would Jesus do. Asking ourselves this question means we are asking, what did Jesus do in situations like this? How would Jesus respond to my situation? And how can I be more like Jesus? Asking this question will have a cost, but I know the cost is worth it. When we live out what would Jesus do, our lives and the world will be changed. The first thing I believe we need to know in asking what would Jesus do is that we have to make sacrifices. Asking what would Jesus do means denying ourselves. The passage we read earlier is not just found in one of the Gospels, but in three of them. We read in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, and Luke 9, 23 through 26, the same words we read in Mark. If anyone wants to follow me, he or she must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. When we ask, what would Jesus do? We will have to deny ourselves. We'll be asked to serve. The problem we face is that denying ourselves is uncomfortable. And oftentimes, we just don't want to do it, right? I can't be the only one who thinks that. I don't want to sacrifice my time and invite that person over because I have to clean my house, I have to cook, I have to be nice, and I have to smile. Not feeling it. I don't want to take my personal me time and help or serve or give my money that I'm saving for a rainy day. I don't want to leave my house on a Sunday evening to come for pray first and pray with my church family because it's a whole hour and I can't pray that long. I know I'm not the only one who's thought that. Denying ourselves is uncomfortable. 
How many times have we ignored the prompting of God's spirit or that little nudge that says we should do something in favor of something we want? It's called denying ourselves for a reason. It's not the most comfortable thing in the world. But when we do deny ourselves, that's when God works in us. And those moments can be the most rewarding. I love ice cream. I love it. And a sad part of my pregnancy was that I actually had a food aversion to it. It was very, very sad. I actually remember crying a few times over just the thought of ice cream would make me sick, but at the same time, I really wanted it. It was, it was very sad. Um, but it was also a good thing because ice cream's not my friend. When I eat dairy-free, I feel so much better, but I don't enjoy denying myself the wonderful taste of ice cream, so most times I won't. It's one of my little rebel moments of many. I will eat this ice cream, and I will enjoy it in the moment. But when I do deny myself, I feel better, my skin looks amazing. Life is pretty good when I deny myself. But I don't remember that when I really want a bowl of ice cream, because I do have selective memory. Bradford remembers, and he likes to tell me that I won't like it, but rebel me just has to have ice cream. Denying myself, though, is worth the pain of not having ice cream, because my life is so much better. And that's the case with most things. When we deny ourselves, even if it's uncomfortable and we don't want to deny ourselves in that moment, it is so much better for us after the moment. And when we deny ourselves in favor of doing what God asks, it helps us grow to be more like Christ, and it grows us into people we want to be. It's the same with exercise and going to bed earlier and not sitting in front of the TV all day. We deny ourselves because life in the long run is so much better. God moves even more when we deny ourselves of our selfish desires and wants. But asking ourselves what would Jesus do not only means denying ourselves, it also means wholeheartedly following Jesus. Following Jesus with our all. Whoever wants to follow me must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. It's not just about denying ourselves. It's also about following, following Jesus. Matthew 22, 34 through 40 talks about the Pharisees coming to Jesus and asking what the greatest commandment is. They thought they were going to try to stump him. And Jesus replied to, him, replied to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, and Ephesians 5.1-2 through 2, talk about how we are to imitate Christ. Philippians 2.5-8 talks about us needing to have the same attitude as Christ, that of a servant. What would Jesus do is about imitating Christ, being like him in every aspect of our lives. We need to follow Jesus with all of us. The problem is, we're human beings, and we deal with fear, apathy, and legalism. We are afraid of what God is going to ask of us, 
because it may, it may mean helping with those use, which is the greatest area of ministry, just saying. It may mean going overseas, leaving everything behind to share the gospel. It may mean no longer living the way we have. And that's scary. We don't want to follow Jesus with all of us because of the sacrifice. There's that denying ourselves again. And then apathy. We know we need to follow Jesus, but we lack enthusiasm. It's just a part of our lives. Following Jesus does not define us. Y'all, that's a load of crap. Sorry, PK. Following Jesus must define every part of us, but we just stop caring. I've been there. I have. But once we have apathy in one area of our lives, it bleeds into every area. Apathy hurts us. And then we have our good friend legalism. We get so focused on the appearance of following Jesus and making sure we are abiding by all these so-called laws that our hearts become hardened to the things of God. We can overcome the fear, apathy, and legalism, but it takes work. It'll take a daily decision to deny ourselves and pick up that cross. That cross could be our dreams, our possessions, or our lives. But it's a daily decision to fight that fear, apathy, and legalism. And we must fight it. We fight it with prayer. We fight it by gathering with other followers of Jesus and being honest for once with what's going on in our lives. We fight it by reading God's word. Asking what would Jesus do, it requires a lot of us. It requires a lot from us, but it'll change our lives for the better. So, not only does asking what would Jesus do mean denying ourselves and following Jesus with all of us, it also means loving people. Asking what would Jesus do means loving people. Following Jesus means following him to people. I mentioned the first part of Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40 earlier. But in the second part, Jesus shares that the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. We see in scripture that Jesus loved people. He died an awful, painful death on a cross for people. And as a follower of Jesus and an imitator of Christ, we must love people well. Matthew chapter 7 verse 12 and Luke 6 31 say, do to others what you would have them do to you. That golden rule. I don't know if you're anything like me, a human, but there are days where I don't love people very well. Again, a lot of it goes back to denying myself. But there are times where I see someone in the store, I turn the other way, and I pray, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me, don't see me. <laughs> Y'all, I pray that. If I asked this question, what would Jesus do? I would probably look at those situations as God-ordained moments rather than moments to avoid. I see people sometimes as a distraction from my work rather than my work being a distraction from loving people. And I'm not talking about my job. I'm talking about that busy work, you know, cleaning my house, which does need to get done, but probably not as much as I do it. 
or all these other extra things I add. But when I look at Jesus' example in Scripture, no person was looked at as an annoyance except for those hypocritical religious leaders. But everyone found them annoying. They even found themselves annoying, and you can read about that. To ask, what would Jesus do, means to love people. I have someone I consider a dear friend who lives this out well. It would be a busy day with a lot going on, and I or others would barge into our office. We'd knock and then just keep walking in. And we would sit on our couch and talk or ask for help and advice. And she would pause whatever she was doing to talk, to love us well, to let us know that someone did see us and heard us. Even with all the busyness of life, she would pause it in that moment to love us. She was Jesus to me and many others and continues to be Jesus. How people would experience God's love because we decided to love people well. We decided to say yes to the answer or to the question of what would Jesus do. And lives are changed because of the love and value that person feels. Asking what would Jesus do means loving people well. I have on stage a Christmas tree, and it's pretty bare by some of y'all's standards, but to some of you, it's a good tree because you haven't set your tree up yet. It's December, what day is it? December 3rd, y'all. Might be time to look at maybe getting a tree. But it is pretty bare. And I want us to look at this tree as our lives. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, Hopefully, we start pointing people to God with the star. But it's still pretty bare. You know, we're just doing the basics. We are getting by. Life is life. There's nothing extra added to our lives. But when we start to ask the question, what would Jesus do? Our lives start changing. We start getting fluffed. We start denying ourselves. We're getting pulled and we're getting straightened up, and it's uncomfortable. It hurts a little bit, but it is so worth it because it'll help hold the lights and the ornaments well. So we're denying ourselves. We're getting fluffed. But then we keep asking the question, what would Jesus do? And our lives continue to change even more. We get these lights because Jesus, the light of the world, is so evident in our lives and everything we do. People see Jesus in all of us. I'm glad my father-in-law isn't here so he can't critique my Christmas decorating today. But we get these lights. We're showing Jesus. It is evident. Everyone can see how much we love Jesus, the light of the world. But then we keep asking the question, what would Jesus do? And we get these ornaments. 
Every ornament is representing a person that we love well. And so we add those to our lives. We're loving people well. We're continuing to love people, continuing to show Jesus and follow Jesus. And as we continue to love people well, we get more ornaments to our tree. Hopefully, they're overflowing our tree to the point that they are surrounding the base of the tree because of how much we love people. And if a light burns out, we replace it because we are continuing to love Jesus. We're deciding every day that we're going to follow Jesus. We're going to love him. We're going to be just like Jesus. How beautiful would our lives look if we asked, what would Jesus do? And then we went and did it. At this time, I'd like to invite the band back on stage. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Um, This was probably one of the hardest messages I've given. It's often where I fail more at this than I succeed. And I don't like being reminded of when I fail. As a follower of Jesus and wanting to grow more in my faith, I should be asking this question, and I'm not like I should be. But I wrote this message for myself, as well as for you, as a reminder of what discipleship and sanctification look like. Becoming more like Jesus takes work, and life is a lot easier if we don't ask or act on what would Jesus do. But how different would the world look? How different would our lives look if we took the time to ask the question, what would Jesus do, and then do it? We would look a lot more like Jesus, and we would see those glimpses of heaven even more. Our lives would be full and bright and beautiful like this tree. We won't always get it right. And y'all have heard a story or two of how I did not get it right. And I could tell you so many more. But that's when confession comes in. Admitting we messed up. God's grace and mercy are there for us when we confess. May we spend this Christmas season asking what would Jesus do? And then doing it. May we be okay with denying ourselves and following Jesus with all our heart all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. You may have to give up the people you love, the plans you have, and your possessions, but it is so worth it. I pray that we will not throw the phrase, what would Jesus do, around flippantly, but that we would live it out. If you have never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is the perfect day to do so. All it takes is confessing Jesus as your Lord and asking for forgiveness. And your life will never be the same. It will be the start of a great adventure. There will be hard days, but having Jesus changes everything. I'd like, at this time, I invite you to stand, and I'd like the altar team, prayer team, to come forward. The prayer team is here at the altar to pray with you.
That's what they're here for. And no request is too small or too big for them to join with you in prayer. We are going to close with the song, Make Room. We sang it earlier and we're going to sing it again because my prayer is that you're singing this song with a new perspective. We are making room in our hearts for the joy of the Christmas season, but we're also making room for God. We're making room for God to do something new. We're surrendering our desires and wants for what God is asking us to do. We are asking, what would Jesus do? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.